This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. We're going to talk about buying cheap value stocks today, as we always do, but cheap value stocks that are also cyclical. So cyclical stocks see their earnings go in cycles. That's why they're called the cyclicals. So stocks that are not cyclicals would be like Amazon, um, a lot of the Fangman, so you know Meta, Google. None of those are cyclicals because their earnings aren't going up or down based on a cycle. So many of the cyclicals are in the commodities because the commodities tend to move in these like boom and bust type of uh, periods where you know the underlying commodity is in big demand and then it's not. And so earnings will rise when there's huge demand for whatever the product is, and then they will decline in the years when nobody really cares. There's usually some kind of underinvestment also going on in the years that nobody cares. And so um, you see, you know, uh, companies will not build the mine, the new mine in the bearish type of part of the cycle but they will when obviously the product is hot and in demand up oh, we better we better get some more out there right so that's when they'll start investing you can get these outside of the commodities as well like the home builders tend to move in cycles it used to be that the semiconductors moved in cycles cuz they're kind of commodity like in some ways um, there's a little less cyclical nature with them now, or some may argue that their cycle is a little bit shorter than it used to be. Um, even somewhat the banks can move in these cycles too, based on what the Fed is doing with um, the rates there and uh, what's going on with yields. The banks can be somewhat cyclical with their earnings. So you'll have both the bear and the bullish markets within these cycles. So you'll have, you know, times again when it's bad and uh, nobody's paying any attention to these stocks, but earnings are down because they're in the bearish part of the cycle and then they'll bust out and be in the bull. And that's when you'll see record earnings happening year after year. That's the bullish part of the cycle. So, talking about the home builders as an example of what will happen to a cyclical stock. So when their product becomes hot, so in the housing bubble years, everybody wanted homes. They wanted homes and condos. People were buying them as investments. They were flipping. Um, there was just hot, hot demand. So the builders complied and they gave, uh, you know, as much product as they could to the market and, at the end of that cycle, at the end of that bull cycle, they had overbuilt, right? That's common too in the cyclicals. You get too much uh, euphoria at the end. Even if it's not a bubble, you still get overinvestment at the end of the bullish cycle. And then it all comes crashing down as we saw in the housing bust. And then those builders, if they stay in business, which many of them did, decide, oh, we better cut way, ba way back. And we've learned our lesson and we're not gonna overbuild again for a long, long time. And so that is what happens in these cycles. That's what's happening with the home builders. 
the E, the earnings usually decline during all of those years. And um, some of the stocks can be cheap because they're being ignored still, even on as the E is declining. But you still can get cheap stocks during these bearish periods as the home builders have remained cheap from the bottom of the housing bubble, which was 2012 approximately. Uh, well, 2011, the housing stocks in the stock market uh, had their best year in 2012, and they were the sector leader, the industry leader that year, with most of those stocks doubling in that year. And I think like one of the housing ETFs that included all the home builders was up, you know, over 100% in 2012. But um, doesn't mean you're not in these bear markets. So you will see changes in the PE. Sometimes they can be low even in the bear market, but many times uh, you'll get pretty low PEs even in the bull market if the at the early, early innings of the bull market. When you get high PEs with these cyclical stocks, that's usually a sign it's towards the end of the bull and everybody's piling into the stocks the E still looks good. It might even be a record, but everybody's piling in. So uh, the PE usually does rise quite a bit towards the end. So take an example of Toll Brothers. We've talked about them a lot on the podcast. The ticker is TOL. They're the luxury home builder. They just reported earnings. Their PE right now is 5.4. So very cheap. But again, the home builders are cyclical. And last year was a record year. Now, everybody on the street thinks they won't do it again, but they're telling us they will, that 2022 is going to be another record year. But with the rising mortgage rates, the street didn't care. They've sold off the stock. It's down 24% year-to-date on the rate fears. Those higher mortgages means less sales for the home builders normally. And they were as low as 30% for this year, but they bounced a little bit off these lows here. But earnings expected to be up 50% here in fiscal 2022 and another 12% in fiscal 2023. So, so far the analysts aren't even, they're not even bearish on the following year after this year, but the street is more bearish and they've sent the stock down, which is why we do actually have the low PE now of 5.4. Now, if we are at the top of the cycle for home building, like, if last year was the final record year on earnings, we should see that PE higher than what it is because the earnings should be on the decline, but they're not. They're on the increase. So we still see that low PE. So I don't think we're at the highs. I don't think we're at the peak of this bull cycle in the home builders. And this bull cycle's only been two years now. So I think the street's getting it a little bit wrong here, even on rising rates. But that doesn't mean the shares can't sell off a little bit more, get a little bit cheaper here. I'm I'm on the sidelines with the home builders, um, but I still like the cycle. And I think we have several more years of the cycle still to go. So I am looking to get back in, possibly on a bigger sell-off capitulation type thing, a wipeout in all the stocks. And then because I'm greedy, I want to get it even cheaper here. So I owned Toll Brothers before in the Value Investor in 2021. We did sell on uh, rising rate 
issues and we had a gain so we locked in some of our gain um, but now may be the time to uh, start keeping it on the watch list and all of these home builders because they are cyclical but the cycle has not peaked but i want to really visit the energy uh stocks today because i promised you i would talk about my own saga as i like to call it of owning energy during all the cycles so energy are cyclicals we will see rising energy prices in certain years and then declining in other years and uh you know there's overinvestment when the prices rise uh they raise production they drill more rigs because uh, they want to with the rising prices, but when those prices come way down, they pull it all back in. The rigs, as we saw in 2020, are shut and uh, production goes way down. So you get this up and down cycle, which is pretty um, extreme in some cases with energy. but. You also do get these bearish and bullish parts of the cycle. We have exited, I believe, a long-term bear cycle from that lasted from 2008 to uh, 2020. And now we're in this upward cycle again. And so now is the time to be looking at these energy stocks again. But many of us long-term value investors like to buy and hold right i've written articles over the years about my grandmother who inherited some shares of exxon mobil from my great-grandfather when he died in uh the early 1970s so just before the oil embargoes and the oil shocks of the 1970s when oil prices soared uh, he died, he left shares to all of his six kids. One of them was my grandmother. So she just had those shares in the 1970s. And she did quite well in those years, right? That was a bullish part of the cycle. But my grandmother never sold those shares and she died um, about five years ago now, four years ago. Uh, so before everything that was going on, but the last year she owned her Exxon shares basically were during this bear mar market of this bear cycle and the shares really didn't go anywhere. She had a financial advisor who tried to convince her to sell them and get out. But this is the problem with owning the cyclicals for the long term. You can have very long time periods when the shares go nowhere. And instead of owning Exxon, she could have owned a non-cyclical stock like Amazon or um, Alphabet or any other number of things during those the long bear markets, right? So you get big payoffs with the cyclicals if you time it correctly. And my problem with my energy saga is I bought and held and I didn't, I timed it correctly initially, uh, that I have to say, but Buying and holding cyclicals uh, is not really the way to go. And I'm not saying you should day trade the cyclicals, but you should realize you're in a cyclical 
and know uh, that the cycle will end and that you might want to cash in some of your gains when that cycle ends. And at the top of the cycle, it's usually looking pretty good for you as an investor. So it's okay to buy the cyclicals and the cheap cyclicals, but you have to know how to play it. So my energy saga began during the last bull cycle in energy. So I was a new investor. I had just gotten a share builder account. It was like the year 2000. So we we're just coming off of the dot-com boom. Everybody was buying stocks. I was a lawyer in San Francisco and I had represented several large oil companies in my uh, capacity as a lawyer. So I got to know these oil companies pretty good and I liked what I saw. It was uh, the, the business was doing well because energy had entered into a new bullish part of the cycle starting in 1999. And that's when crude had traded as low as $10. So nobody wanted anything to do with Exxon or any of the companies in 1999. They only wanted uh, Pets.com and Microsoft in 1999. But by 2000, 2001, the energy bull cycle was in full swing and these stocks were doing well. So I decided to buy in and I bought some, uh, what was then called Apache, but it's now APA and the ticker is APA in, and I can't remember exactly when, I wanna say 2001, maybe 2002, but somewhere in that time period. I also did buy some Exxon. Um, Exxon was still paying a dividend and all of that, but APA was also paying over this whole saga. I've owned it a decent dividend because that's what they do during bull cycles. The cyclicals get very good fundamentals, good free cash flow, and they do give it back to the shareholders during the bullish part of the cycles. So I ended up buying APA 2001 or 2002. In 2000, I went back to go look, it was trading around $30. So um, that was a towards the beginning part of the cycle. I did not get in at the very bottom in like 1999 when everyone hated all these energy stocks, but I did get in fairly early in the cycle. So the cycle continued all through that decade. And I did, I was doing share builder, which is like, um, was bought out several times and E-Trade now owns it, but they did disable it. So you can't do it anymore, but it's where you just uh, buy a little bit of shares every month. And uh, you know, you can just kind of accumulate shares. And back then it was a low cost thing. It was like nine, 9.99 or something. I could do five trades a month. It bought every Tuesday at 10 AM. I didn't get to say what price I wanted it at, whatever it was on that Tuesday is when I bought the shares, but it was an easy way and a fun way to accumulate shares. So I was definitely accumulating shares during all these years. So starting in 2007, I went back to go check this out. The shares had more than doubled up to $65. Now in 2007 is when crude prices started to soar they went up over $100 and by June into July of 2008, this is right before the financial crisis or it was just starting to begin, <laughs> basically, um, the price of crude 
spiked to all-time highs and WTI was at $140 a barrel. And Brent, I think, went up to like 155, but it didn't stay there for very long. It literally just spiked up all the way up and then came back down. So on that spike, everybody was buying the energy stocks in 2007 into 2008. So APA soared at that point up to $143. And so we were all like, woohoo, right? Any of us who had bought at the beginning of the cycle, we were living it up. But this was the time when, as an investor, you should try to realize, try to figure out that we might be ending up at, towards the end of the bullish cycle. But when you're in the bull, you really don't want to think it's ever going to end, right? You just don't. So many people miss the top, and I was one of them. But I was thinking I was a buy and hold investor. I had been buying and holding and doing my share building and accumulating shares all the way up on the up slope. And for five, six, seven years, I was buying these shares. And I was also buying some ExxonMobil all during this time too. Exxon went up as well, but not quite as dramatically as what APA was doing. But like I said, all good things come to an end on the cyclicals and all the energy stocks crashed down during the financial crisis. As WTI crashed down, uh, we had a global you know, deep recession, demand for energy uh, fell dramatically, which is why the price crashed down. And so that was the end of that last bull cycle and the start of a new bear one. But I was still in it. So as a good long-term investor, I was like, oh, okay, it's fallen down. You know, this could be a buying opportunity, right? So it crashed down by February 2009, back down to $57. So it's at 143.93, crashing down to 57. And wow, that seems like it's on sale. So why not buy some more? So I was buying like during this time period and the stocks did rebound. They had a mini rally there after um, the Great Recession and the recovery off the recession, like everything else, as crude demand started to recover and the global economy got better, so did energy stocks. So they rebounded into 2011, and I was feeling like, oh, this is a good thing, and I was fine holding onto these stocks again, right? I, we we never got back to 143.93, but I was still feeling pretty good by 2011. But by 2014, 2015, so this is pretty long into my energy position now, right? The uh, energy had a crash again. The price plunged again because we are in, we were in the bear market part of the cycle. But many of us investing, we're still in denial about this. But bear markets usually uh, will test new lows during that bear market. And this was one of them. So the stock actually crashed back down to $33 in the 2014-2015 period. So I'm thinking I bought in around $30 back in like 2000, 2001, somewhere in there. And now it's back down to 33. And because this crash was so severe and you know WTI 
fell under $20 at one point. Some were saying it was going to go back under 10, like it did in 1998, but it didn't, but still pretty grim. Uh, earnings crashed down. It was not a good time. Dividends were cut. Some Most companies weren't even paying one. I think Apache did, but it was like a penny by this point, a penny a share for the year or something because they didn't want to cut it completely, but it basically was. So this was awful, but I was already dollar cost averaging. So my dollar cost average, by the time it crashed down to 33, was something in the 60s at this point. And I had I had been buying and selling all these years over the years, but even with that, it was back down or back into the 60s. So I was really underwater on this investment, right? And now they weren't even paying a dividend. This is why it's the saga. I should have sold or even on the rebound in 2011. That was my second chance. That was like an extra bonus chance to get out because it was back up over 60. But I I didn't. I stayed in and then it crashed back down. But lo and behold, it got another mini rally after that crash. And the shares went back up to $66 in 2016. And I'm thinking the worst is over. You know, they're lean, mean fighting machines. That's what I've said in the past on the podcast. But alas, the, the bear market was still going on. And then we had a final bear sell-off in the shares. And this is when many of us just surrendered, like you do at the end of a bear. The long-term shareholders even are the finally the last to go, where they just can't take it anymore. They, they've seen losses 50%, 70% year after year. They could have bought Amazon. You know, they're like, why, why am I still in this? They finally, we sell and we get out. I did not sell still because I was so underwater. I'm like, Meh, what's the point? I'll just leave it in there. Um, I did actually sell my Exxon shares in 2016 because I um, had something planned for that money, that investment. So, but that was just kind of pure luck to sell then because Exxon kept sliding too after 2016, the entire energy complex down, down, down. Then we had the pandemic in 2020 and that crushed everything as crude went negative, definitely went under $10 this time. But again, in bear cycles of the cyclical plays, you will retest those lows. So 1998, crude under 10, 19, or 2020, crude under 10, both of those lows, it was a sign that that was the bear market bottom. Now, APA fell as low as $3.80. But as I've mentioned before about bear and bull cycles, because you're so demoralized, right? My... My basis was in the 60s, it's at 380. And even if I think, sure, it's going to survive the pandemic and turn around, it's very difficult to buy when there's maximum fear and uh, panic way down at the bottom. So no, I did not buy at 380. Um, I did end up buying as it came off those lows in 2020 at various other points on the rebound. So I think the lowest I got was at some at $8 or $9. And in 
And I bought some at 11. I bought some at 14. Basically, I've been buying uh, as it's rebounded ever since. But with that being said, okay, so I've been buying ever since. My basis was above 60. It was at like $62 or something. I've been buying and buying and buying during the pandemic. And the shares have now rebounded back up to $38. They were at like 37 or 38 here on March 2nd, as WTI is now above 100 again and back at um, like 112 or so, above 110. So um, APA is at multi-year highs again. But it's still, even with uh, buying in and buying in and buying in during this rebound, the my basis has only fallen so much. And now I find myself, after 20 years in this investment, up just 17% on my investment. That's, that's what I'm up right now, 17% even though I did get some around nine or $10 and it's at 38. So over the last two years, APA is now up 53%. The S&P 500 is up 48% during that time. So it is barely beating the S&P 500. But uh, year to date here in 2022, it has accelerated on uh, these gains because of what's happening with earnings, with all of the energy complex, with crude and natural gas at these highs. And they are now this time lean, mean fighting machines. They've uh, cut costs everywhere over the entire course of the bear cycle from 2008 to 2020. And they had to do everything they could to survive the plunge down in 2020 and uh, save themselves so that they could you know, be here to to fight another day um, once the pandemic eased. So APA is now trading with the forward P of 5.95. So just about six times. Their earnings are expected to be up 60% here in 2022 from $3.90 to $6.27. So that's a pretty nice jump up. Uh, they're paying out 60% of their free cash flow, which is huge right now on all of the energy stocks, paying it 60% um, out to the shareholders. So they have raised the dividend again, and it's yielding something like, let me see, what is it yielding? I want to say like 1.3% now or something. So still not super high, but they have share buybacks and other stuff going. 1.3% is the yield. Uh, some of them are doing special dividends and other things. I don't think APA is one of them. It does have a lot of debt, more than some of the other players. And so it's not able to give back quite so much because it has been paying down the debt. As a shareholder, I expect them to pay down the debt. That's been holding Apache back or APA over the years. And so I'm glad to see their balance sheet is massively improving during this now bull market part of the of the uh, cycle here. So, so my site, my saga continues with APA. I'm still in it. I sold out of Exxon. That's gone years ago. I'm still in it. I do own some other energy stocks. 
some of which I did buy before the pandemic meltdown, and I was adding to some of those positions. So I was early on the uh, new bull in energy and the change in the cycle, uh, but dollar cost averaging during these uh, early years of this new bull has been helpful. And so my basis on the other stocks are pretty good. Now, what about some of you who haven't gotten in at all? I wanted to talk about some of the other stocks now in energy and how they are still uh, good buys here. And because we are not yet in the top of the cycle, much like the home builders, I don't believe are at the top of that cycle either. Energy isn't either, even though they've had a huge run in the last uh, you know, 14 months here, give or take. So a lot of people are already like, eh, that's done now. But this isn't 2016 when we had a big uh, rally off of the 2014-2015 lows. That, that was a fake out bear market rally. This one is a true bull rally, so it's got more room to run. But if you are buying a cyclical stock, make sure you're keeping track of when the top of the cycle might be. Now, if you look at the earnings estimates for a lot of these energy producers, they have current estimates for 2023 that are in the negative, like showing it declining, that 2022 is the peak. And that is because we're at the beginning of 2022. We just got production updates from the producers for this year. They're not talking about 2023 for the most part yet and they won't be for months yet. So the analysts tend to be conservative and not really paying that much attention this early in the year to what's gonna happen for next year for commodity plays. Anything can go on natural gas prices and, and crude prices as we've seen. Most expected crude to be elevated because of the supply demand uh, you know, dynamics this year with the reopening and the global economy strengthening coming out of the pandemic. Nobody really foresaw Ukraine and Russia situation, and that has thrown even another kink into uh, what's going on in the commodity prices. Who knows what will be happening in 2023? But usually the bull markets in energy and um, some of the other commodity plays are multiple years, as we saw, 1999 to 2008 was a nine year. There's no guarantees about anything. Every cycle is different. But usually it's more than just two or three years in a cycle. But we are coming out of a pandemic. We, we, we've never done that before in the last, you know, 70, 100 years. So that is a little bit different in the situation, too. But the supply demand dynamics are the same as coming out of the last bear in 1998. Lack of investment in the um, underlying assets meant that they had to kind of play catch up and the commodity price was going to rise. So we are seeing the same kind of dynamics here now. So another stock I like a lot in this area that's also dirt cheap right now is Pioneer Natural Resources. PXD is the ticker. I also own this in my own personal portfolio now, but I've only just bought it, I want to say like two months ago, maybe three months ago, maybe in December. I can't remember. December 2021. So I'm late to the game on Pioneer. I have owned it in my value investor portfolio for longer than that. 
But um, even though the shares have surged, I still like it. It's still cheap. It's still the industry leader in the Permian. It's got a great balance sheet. It's trading at 10 times on the PE basis right now. Earnings expected to jump 72% here in 2022 to 2280 versus 1326. So I like that. They're paying out 80% of the free cash flow this year back to the shareholders to reward everyone for their 20 years of patience, or at least 13 years, if they didn't time it correct. <laughs> but long-term investors, they're finally rewarding you. 80% of free cash flow. What does that mean? They have a share buyback. They um, have the base dividend. That's what you see when you look on Zacks.com. If you're like, uh, you know, who's paying these high dividends? So I'm tapping it in right now. Pioneer Natural Resources, it's only 1% on Zacks.com. And you're thinking, eh, what's so great about that? Because they're paying big special dividends. That's going to vary by quarter. They call it the variable special dividend. But analysts expect it to be about a 10% yield this year, depending on, you know, what the shares, how, how much those rally, all of that. But they're expecting it to be almost a 10%. And I know we just got a big uh, special dividend in addition to this base just this last uh, quarter here. So keep that in mind when you're looking at the dividends on these producers. It's not like Exxon or Chevron where they're paying just the base. They are paying these special dividends so that they can be flexible. So if uh, the energy prices come way back down, they're not stuck having to pay a huge base dividend out to their shareholders. So that's Pioneer Natural Resources PXD. Now I know that one, you know, it's trading above 200 something dollars. Many of you will look at that, eh, I can't afford that, it's too expensive. I don't wanna buy like five shares, I get it. So I'm trying to include some other ones that, you know, maybe a little bit lower priced, still cheap, um, still doing some good things. So that some of you who wanna just, you know, stick a little bit of money in there, can buy a few more shares. So another one I really like is EOG Resources, ticker EOG. I do not own this one, and I did own it in the Insider Trader, but we did cash in some of our gains here. But it's trading with a forward P of just 9.9. Uh, earnings for this year expected to be up 37% at 1181 versus 861. So over the last two years, these shares are up 113%. So I know many of you are looking at it, it's trading on those highs. Ooh, it's really hard to buy on the highs, right? Uh, but everything is still here with the fundamentals. They do pay a dividend as well. I think they also have a special, their dividend is yielding 2.6% right now, but I'm pretty sure they had a special and they have a massive share buyback as well. Now keep in mind with the share buyback plans, if you're thinking, oh, I'll buy these when they have a big you know, pullback, when they're down 10 or 20% off the highs, we did get some pullbacks last year, including last summer into the fall. All the uh, producers were down about 15 to 25%. It was a real hammering actually last summer, but that was before many of them were doing really big share buybacks. Some had smaller share buyback plans, but these billion dollar share buyback plans weren't as uh, prevalent last year because they were still ramping up. <laughs> Crude was still on the rise. And so the cash flows weren't quite as good last year, especially by summer of last year. So um, 
they didn't have the firepower to backstop their shares, but they do now. So if your EOG resources and your shares fall in a bigger market sell-off, like 5% or 10%, well, what are you doing with, with your share buyback plan? You're buying, you're jumping in. So, and these share buyback plans are massive. So, um, you know, that's going to put a floor under some of these stocks. So keep that in mind. It, it won't, if it was a huge sell-off, it still won't put a floor, but on these kind of mini sell-offs, it, it will, because they will step in. Actually, even on the home builders, as I said, Toll Brothers has a share buyback and they said on their conference call that they would step in on a bigger sell-off. So those shares were down 30% year to date. They had the conference call and then suddenly they have jumped up off of those lows now down only 24%. I don't know if it was them buying, but someone went in to buy on that big, uh, those new lows there. So keep that in mind with all of these stocks. So EOG Resources was uh, the latest one, ticker EOG, but this is also a big cap, also playing in the Permian, 68 billion market cap. So um, good balance sheet and this great cash flows. But keep in mind, you don't have to necessarily buy some obscure small energy stock. I know there, there's like ticker threads on um, stock twits and on Twitter about, you know, oh, this small little obscure one that, you know, is going to double, triple, quadruple, and all of those kinds of things. Yes, uh, bull markets lift all boats. So all the energy stocks are on the rise, right? But you don't have to go that direction to be a winning investor during these cyclical bull markets. So for instance, in my insider trader, we bought a energy stock called Oasis Petroleum, ticker OAS. And it basically went almost nowhere for four months that we owned it. From November, even until right now in March 2022, it's uh, seen really lackluster gains because they're, they didn't do like a special dividend. And so shareholders got depressed about that. Um, let me look, they have a regular dividend. It's yielding 1.9%, but that's like without specials. It's not all that great. Year to date, these shares are up only 8.4%. So you can see um, that's kind of lagging what some of the other ones are doing. And even three months up 19.4%. Um, let me see what Pioneer is doing here. Uh, they were, I know that they're up even more. Pioneer up 40% over the last three months. So it, all, while all boats will be lifted and the stock market is uh, weak here in 2022, so you're still doing better owning Oasis than the stock market, there is going to be a difference between some of the shares. And so you need to look around, do your research, do your homework, figure out who has the best balance sheets, who's giving what back to shareholders, um, who has the momentum here, and you know who's the leaders in the industry. And it's not always the cheapest stock that is the one that's going to perform the best. And... Um, Keep that in mind. That's all I'll say, because a lot of people get sucked into, you know, stocks under $10 and all that. I do, too. I think they're fun. And Oasis, by the way, is trading at $136 now. So it's not even one of those under $10. But I wanted to talk about one of those 
uh, because I know many of you like to buy those and trade those. So one of the ones I found using the Zacks rank, I went into the explorers and producers, the industry, I looked to see who Zacks number ones and Centennial Resources was the first one on the list. They just reported earnings. Uh, ticker C, C as in Charles, D as in David, E as in Edward, V as in Victor, C, D, E, V. And I had to look them up. I've, I've looked at them before, but it's been a while, so I couldn't remember where they drilled. They're in the Delaware Basin in West Texas, which is a sub-basin of the Permian. So I like that. Shares are at the new highs. Year to date, they're up 46% because the shares are around $9. So everybody likes buying these ones under $10. Over the last two years, the shares are up 473% because everyone likes shares under $10, right? But look at these earnings. This is what I like about it. So 2022, expected to make $1.32 now up from 69 cents. That's earnings growth of 91%. So they're they're uh, closing the deal. They are actually taking advantage of these high prices in oil and natural gas, and they're bringing it for their shareholders. Now they do not pay a dividend, but they did announce a $350 million stock purchase plan so for a smaller company like Centennial, let me see what their market cap, just 2.5 billion market cap. So that's small compared to the other ones I've been talking about. Centennial is gonna pay uh, reward shareholders with 350 million in the stock uh, repurchase plan. So investors like this, that's pushed the stock up to new highs, but I like the outlook here. I like it that they um, you know, are expected to grow their earnings in this big way. And let me look to see what their, uh, I didn't look to see their PE here, um, but I'm expecting them to be pretty cheap even though they're at the highs. Yes, they're trading at 6.5 times. So 6.5 times um, those earnings, still a deal even though it's at these highs. So I'm just putting that out there, there are, Numerous other energy companies you could be looking at. I do suggest looking at going on Zax.com, looking at those industries. It, it's up there under industry rank. You'll see um, if you just even put in, I just put in EOG in, in the tickers. And then I looked at, they're, they're in the same industry. So I clicked on the link there for the industry oil and gas. It's exploration and production. And then that gave me the list. So um, just for those of you who are wondering in the list, let's see how many stocks we have. 41 companies are in exploration and production. This is not the services side. These are just the explorers. Some will have good balance sheets. Some will not. <laughs> so be sure to look in bull markets. Everybody's doing well. Everybody is joining the party. But those with the good balance sheets in the party tend to do even better. So keep that in mind when you're thinking about these things. So, so that's the saga right now. Um, and do I think this is the top? No, I do not. So there's still some room to run on these shares. But 
with the cyclicals, you do have to know when to fold them. You know, need to know when to get them. You need to know when to fold them, sell them, get out with your gains because otherwise you get trapped in the cycle as I did. And the bear markets can be long, 13 years. I still think of what I could have done even if I had sold in 2011 or even 2016. I still think of what uh, I could have deployed that money into uh, versus keeping it and just kind of, you know, waiting. Even though I have been dollar cost averaging, I know a lot of people think dollar cost averaging is the cure for, you know, holding during bear markets, uh, these bear cycles. But as I said, for my APA, even after 20 years and after buying many shares during this downturn, during the pandemic, I'm only up 17% right now on that investment. So still not good, but we are in the early stages of the cycle. So I still do like energy, still adding to some of my positions in it. And um, we'll see what happens. Now on the home builders, I, I own some in my own personal portfolio. I did sell those because I did feel like we were gonna have this big pullback. So I had no regrets selling out of those. I am watching because I do think that we haven't seen the bull cycle peak in the home builders yet, but the rising mortgage rates there are a negative for the stacks. They will get oversold at some point and then it might be time to get in. So I am still on the sidelines, even though um, they have had these nice, you know, over 20% pullbacks. All of them have seen the pullback now but you might wanna keep them on your wish list as a value investor because I know I am. So let me recap the tickers we talked about on this crazy energy podcast. There was Toll Brothers, which is an energy, that's Home Builders, T-O-L is the ticker there. But energies, we had APA, my Saga stack, I do own it and I still do, obviously. APA is the ticker there. Pioneer Natural Resources, I own that one too, but I only just bought it, and that's the ticker PXD. EOG Resources, um, I did own it in Insider Trader and nowhere else, but that's ticker EOG. Then we had Oasis, I mentioned, as a cautionary, and that was in the Insider Trader and nowhere else, ticker OAS. Then we talked about Centennial. This is the one under $10, ticker C, D as in David, E, V as in Victor, C, D, E, V. And then I did mention Exxon. That's big oil, so a little bit different. I should do another podcast on the big oils. They'll rise too in a bull market, but they have other factors. They have refining. They've got gas stations. They have chemicals. Exxon's got a big chemical division. Some will do well as well, uh, those divisions during a bull market, but a little bit different businesses uh, to look at. So they tend to perform a little bit differently than some of the other like pure plays. But Exxon, ticker XOM, we did own it in the insider trader. We just sold it. So some insiders were buying in Exxon in 2021. But um, everybody's quiet right now, and we'll see after some of these investor days if we don't get a little more insider buying in some of the energies. They've been very active. They are timing the cycle well. 
Watch those insiders. They have been buying in 2020. They've been buying in 2021. And now we'll see if they buy here in 2022. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. There's a lot going on with value stocks here in 2022. Lots to talk about. So uh, you can get us every week, every place that you can get podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on um, Amazon Music. They've got podcasts there now. Amazon Music, Spotify. We're on SoundCloud with the Zach's Market Edge, where I just had on Nina Mishra, our ETF director of ETF research here at Zach's. And we were talking about the energy ETFs on the Market Edge. Be sure to get all of our podcasts here at Zach's, but get us somewhere. And I'll see you again next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.